Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. This is episode 183. I'm Art Regner. And as always, the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. Whether it's winter, summer, spring, or fall, what better way to end your day with an ice-cold, frothy Labatt Blue? It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings, and we do ask that you drink our premium beer responsibly. Uh, carrying on, this is going to be a little different uh, Red and White Authority. I'm going to bring in my co-host uh, on Game Day Live. If you're at the arena, you know exactly what I'm talking about if you ever attend a Red Wing game. And also on the Word on Woodward program, actually the brains behind uh, the uh, Word on Woodward show, uh, Daniela Bruce is joining us because what we're going to do today is kind of a special summer edition is that we're going to replay a couple of Word on Woodward interviews. We're going to sandwich them together with Chris Draper, the director of amateur scouting for the Red Wings, and Craig Button, who, of course, very familiar to uh, podcast audiences, who is the director of scouting for TSN. And we're going to look at the Red Wings offseason, specifically from a draft perspective with Draper. And for Craig Button, we're going to get into, obviously, Big Ten football, as usual. But we're also going to talk to, uh, uh, to Craig about... Uh, uh, although I, I'm not sure that Big Ten football probably did not make the cut with Daniela ed- editing it, but but we're, and we're also going to talk about the Red Wings offseason, specifically free agency with Craig, and a little bit about the draft and some prospect news. So with all that said, I know it was a mouthful. Let's bring in the true superstar, Daniela Bruce. Daniela, thanks for uh, for being here, co-hosting this edition of the Red and White Authority. Art, it only took 183 episodes for you to invite me on the podcast. So, you know, I'm honored to be here. Yeah, well, you should be. You should be, as you know. <laughs> uh, no, but but anyway, this is a really interesting, uh, uh, this is going to be an interesting Red and White Authority because, uh, you know, what we found out is, is that the podcast audience and the WOW audience sometimes cross uh, paths, so to speak, that they listen to both and sometimes they don't. So uh, we're, we, we want every, you know, we want to, bring this to everybody because Draper and Button were both very, very good. And I really thought we learned a lot about Chris Draper, not only about his job, but, you know, we asked him about the, uh, uh, about the 30 on 30, the rivalry between Colorado. He addresses that and, uh, you know, and also it seems that he's obsessed with the sauna. Yeah, we learned a lot about his workout routine. That's what I was going to add in there. So he loved talking about that, too. So that's definitely something you'll learn from listening to the first part with Chris Draper. And Art, you mentioned it just he was excellent talking about Unrivaled, gave us a lot of detail and a lot of personal thought behind it, because for all of those guys that were a part of it, it was pretty emotional. Not only did it bring back all of the emotion that came with the rivalry, but all of the emotion that came with what happened to Vladimir Konstantinov. So they really tugged on their heartstrings in that aspect. And Draper was really open about all of it. So it was a great discussion from there. And of course, breaking down all of the draft picks. And he seemed very, very excited, which as we know, and Craig Button will tell you later in the podcast, they're always going to like their draft class right now, right? Everyone's going to say they're absolutely ecstatic about their draft class at this point. And uh, Draper really did 
seemed very excited about the players that were added to the Red Wings prospect pool this year. Right, he he really did, and you know, and Button uh, he has a little tirade about people who rate drafts right after they happen. <laughs> uh, so you're going to want to stay tuned for that. You know, an interesting thing. I think I said thirty for thirty because I, you know, I'm all over the road as you know, Daniela. And so is that is it officially E60? Is that what it's called? Yes, it is an E60. It was not a 30 for 30, E60 unrivaled. Okay, great. Well, thank you for clearing that up, Daniela. And uh, (laughs) I guess without further ado, uh, we're going to take you now to something that was recorded on July 10th, a couple of days after the draft ended uh, in Montreal. Director of Amateur Scouting for the Detroit Red Wings, former Red Wing, former Grindlinder, Chris Draper. Welcome to another edition of The Word on Woodward. I'm Daniela Bruce alongside Art Regner and joining us today, Director of Amateur Scouting, Chris Draper. Chris, it's been a busy week for you. We're excited that you made some time to chat with Art and I. Well, Art, Daniela, thank you for having me. Enjoying, uh, always enjoy this. This is, uh, this is a fun episode to do, so thank you. Yeah, it's very fun, and we're going to get into all of the draft talk, nine new Red Wings added to the organization over the weekend. But before we do that, Chris... All Red Wings fans got to watch the E60 unrivaled great story about the Red Wings avalanche rivalry back in the 90s, early 2000s. It was incredible, but we got to get your reaction because obviously you're one of the main characters yeah. in that story. Yeah, unfortunately I am. Yeah, kind <laughs> of the way. Yeah, it might be the main character. Uh, you know what? I thought uh, I thought ESPN did a, did, did a terrific job, and I think the – the interesting thing for for me was obviously I knew you know our side of it you know mm-hmm. how we obviously all you know perceived it and watched it and explained it and kind of lived it but it was interesting to hear you know the Colorado Avalanche talk about it because we've never really you know heard from from that side but I thought uh, I thought it was great I thought um, you know everyone that was interviewed uh, handled it you know really well uh, spoke well and you could really tell you know of of how passionate um, you know both sides you know were about the rivalry and you could kind of still still feel a, a little of that in, in how the interviews went so I thought they did a great job I enjoyed it um, you know I was able to, to you know watch it with with my family I think probably the one tough part was you know obviously uh, you know the hit the injury John Morton talking about it and you know my 14 year old daughter was was there and she didn't really she's kind of knows about it but I think you know seeing that um, was was a lot at, at the time but uh, you know I, I you know, it was um, it was something that um, you know we all in, enjoyed watching, and 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 honestly, like, just the just brought back you know obviously some tough memories. Uh, you know, for me the you know the hardest part was watching Vladdy. Uh, yeah. You know, that was something that uh, you know was 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 very emotional and 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 very tough to watch. Um, you know, just an, an incredible teammate, incredible friend, and and that was uh, you know that was obviously very emotional to to watch Vladdy. Um, it was great to see his daughter on it. I thought she did a fantastic job. So that was, you know, that was really special and, and really nice. But overall, I think they uh, they captured, you know, both sides. And I think, uh, you know, in something like that, it's it's obviously hard to do. But um, you know, for for 25 years later, it was uh, it was you know it was it was enjoyable and it really caught. You know the emotions, the hatred, and 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 probably on top of everything, how great both teams were. You know they always say bygones be bygones, but it just seems that maybe because it was such a deep division, and you each knew whomever won that series for the most part, that you know was probably going to end up being the eventual Stanley Cup champion. No disrespect towards the Eastern Conference, mm-hmm. but um, 
do you think someday maybe i mean can you put it in the past i mean because quite frankly i have not but (laughs) uh but 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 seriously i mean is that something as as the years do you mellow about it or do you still get fired up um i honestly and i've i've said this before i wouldn't change anything you know the if if something like that if the hit had to happen or whatever it was and 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 then we go on to win you know, Stanley Cups in, in 97, 98, and 02, sign me up for that program again. Like, in all honesty, it was, uh, we had gone through, you know, some tough times as a team, not being able to win, not being able to get over the top. Obviously, with that, we end up making the big trade for Brendan Shanahan, and, and he obviously brought, you know, a lot to, you know, to, to our team on and off the ice. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, I, I am I am over it. I don't I don't think about it. It didn't change the way I was going to play the game. It didn't change, you know, anything of, of how I was going to, to, to live my life. And, um, you know, so that, that's it. But I think, you know, the, the thing is, it was, um, you know, it was it was a time back then where, you know, it was uh, it was a different game. And and obviously, even to this day, you know, things happen fast. And, you know, the the, the, the hit was the hit. You know, I think everyone saw it. It was, um, you know, it was a dirty hit. He caught me, you know, from behind. And, and you know, probably in the end, I, I was pretty fortunate. You talk right. about the injuries that I had. But, you know, it, uh, that's how I look at it. You know, it, there, there's a chance that it could have been worse. And it wasn't. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. Everything kind of played out pretty good for the Detroit Red Wing organization after that. How about it coming out? the day after or the day of Colorado winning the Stanley Cup this year. Um, it's It's got to be. Day of. Yeah, yeah I remember. Day of. So was it yeah. like, is that still hard for you to see? I mean, they, they deserve it. They're a phenomenal, phenomenal hockey team. team. Phenomenal yeah. hockey team. But do you still have that? Like, oh, I wish it wasn't Colorado. You know what? Um, I mean, Joe Sackick, what a, you know, first class, um, obviously, hockey player. And, and he was just awarded on uh on on the weekend um obviously gm of the year and and deservedly so he's assembled a, an incredible you know hockey team and uh it's you know what it's 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 a it's it's a fun team to watch tough to say but a fun team to watch and and like you just said deservedly so that they're they're the stanley cup champions but kind of ironic that uh you know the the, the day that it uh, it came out that colorado you know wins the stanley cup so uh, the hockey guys probably had a little smile that day that's for sure but the 2002 western conference final i don't think i can ever i'll ever see better hockey than that I mean that was just two teams really really going at it when Forsberg scores the goal in the fifth game and going out to Colorado for the sixth game and then the Patrick Waugh Statue of Liberty and then Darren McCarty of all people who had a who had a hex over Waugh especially in the playoffs I mean and then and then you know blowing him out in game seven I mean that to me is I, it, it will not get any better from my perspective as as a fan or a broadcaster. How was it to play in that series particularly? Because you teams were I – mean, talk about high-end hockey. I don't think, as I said, I, I know I'm being a redundant here. It doesn't get better. Yeah, I mean, that was obviously an incredible series, and I don't think anyone scripted Game 7 the, the way that it was going <laughs> to go. I remember, you know, walking, uh, you know, getting back into the locker room after the first period, and I believe we were up 4 nothing after the first, and we're all kind of, like, looking around like – you know, did that just happen? And then we, we knew, you know, obviously with the talent that they had, we had to keep going. Um, you know, it turned out to be, you know, an incredible night for, for our team and certainly our fans. And, you know, Joe Lewis was uh, absolutely uh, electric that entire night. And, you know, like you said, I think back then when you look at how the West was, 
it was you know it was Colorado, Detroit, obviously Dallas. You had some mm-hmm. you know three powerful uh, you know teams at the time that you know I think they kind of felt if if you're able to win the West, you're going to put yourself in a real good situation to win the Stanley Cup. You had New Jersey on the other side that obviously had a heck of a team as well. Um, but that you know that obviously put that much more emphasis and that much more importance on winning the Western Conference. But, uh, you know, that game was pretty special. I mean, you look at it, we obviously all know O2. Um, you know, that was our, you know, our Hall of Fame team. The players right. that we had on, on that team, absolutely incredible. Um, you know, but on the other side, you know, you look at what Colorado had as well. And, you know, so I think it was, uh, you know, at the time in 2002, it was, it was, it was unreal. You know, you're, you're seeing some of the best players that the game had to offer for a seven-game series. And, and um, like I said, we couldn't have scripted it any better uh, for us that, uh, that night. We're on our way to building another great team here in Detroit, and that happens a lot through the draft, Chris. And we just finished the 2022 NHL draft. Like I mentioned, you added nine new prospects to the Red Wings prospect pool. The eighth overall pick, Marco Casper, the center out of Rogla. You know, everybody had all of these predictions on where you guys were going to go with that pick. Mm. A lot of people were saying it was going to be a center. It did end up being that center. Was Marco Casper always your guy? Tell us about him. Um, I mean, it's the, the draft is so unpredictable. We have yeah. to sit there and be patient. That seven names are going to come off the board, but you know, very excited to add, add Marco to uh, to our prospect pool and our organization. Um, you know, I was able to able to see him play, you know, a lot this year. Um, getting over to uh, getting over to Rogue, obviously saw him. I, I saw him at the World Juniors, which was uh, you know only uh, a two-game tournament, unfortunately. But then at the World Championships as well over in, in Finland. Um, just uh, the way he plays again, he just he just he just does everything the right way. He's a, he's a character kid. Um, you know, he's a very good skater, very strong, very responsible. Um, you know, we believe there's there's more offense to come with Marco. Um, talking to the Roglo organization, uh, the Abbott brothers, uh, you know, absolutely couldn't say enough about this kid. Um, you know, and it's just that the, the consistency of how he plays the game is something that really stands out. You know, the for a 17-year-old kid, he just shows up to the rink and he just goes out and he plays. He knows how to play the game, very effective. And what I loved, I had a couple chances to see him in the playoffs and it seemed as the games got bigger uh he played better and that was something that uh, that i enjoyed really watched him raise his level uh in those atmospheres was uh, was fun to watch will he play in the world junior tournament he was unsure about that have you guys decided yet? um you know what i don't know which way he's gone on that we'll obviously uh you know talk to him and and uh you know we have him all week here obviously with our development camp and and see where he's at with that that'll probably come down to a decision you know talking you know to stevie and probably to marco and they'll make a decision what they feel is best for him and his development going forward chris could you kind of elaborate on what the swedish hockey league is i don't know if if Marco, since he's Austrian, fits the bill, is is that it seems that it's kind of a, a tiered system. Like Frulunda has almost a high school team and a college team, I, just to put it in North American terms, and then the big club. Yep. Um, it, it, is that, so if that's the case, it seems like Marco, because he had six points in 13 playoff games and started to come on, because offense is the question mark. It's not whether he's going to be a player in the league, it's how much can he offensively produce but it it appears that next year in Rogla he will get more um, ice time he'll get more opportunities is that is there kind of a pecking order that maybe we here in North America 
don't understand how the Swedish Hockey League works. Uh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, the SHL is the, their highest uh, d- division. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very good hockey, very competitive, very skilled. And then after that, you have a J20 and a J18 program. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's prospects that will play in all three of those. They, they're mm-hmm. eligible to play J18, also J20, and will get called up and play into the SHL. So they can kind of come up and down. Um, you know, with Marco, for the most part, he was up in, in the SHL, you know, playing there. But, uh, you know, it is. And, and Lucas Raymond went through the same thing. Simon Edmondson went through the same thing. It's, uh, you know, they, you know, they're loyal to their older players. And I think the younger players really have to have to find a way. They have to be patient. Um, it can be frustrating for a player. It can be frustrating for an organization. And it can be frustrating for a scout. You know, some <laughs> nights you wheel in there and they, you know, you want them to play a lot in, in all situations and it doesn't always happen. But they've obviously, they have a system, they have a belief in, in how they're going to develop their prospects. And, and that's all they're worried about. They're not worried about, you know, what player is getting drafted and high, how high he's going to get drafted. They have, uh, like I said, they have a philosophy and they stick to it and they seem to develop a lot of very good hockey players. So that's a, you know, with Marco, there were, there were not a, a lot of nights that you'd walk into the rink and he'd be on the fourth line, but he would play second power play. Um, and then there were nights where, you know, because of the way he played and because of how the game was going, you know, he earned more ice time. And for, you know, watching that, it's, it's not a bad thing to, to see that, that, uh, you know, that a young prospect actually goes out and, and earns it and earns the opportunity and earns his minutes. So, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, for the most part can be frustrating, you know, going in and you travel across, uh, you know, the big pond to go in and scout and you're not sure how many minutes uh, he's going to play. And some nights you're not even sure if he's going to play, you know, they might be down in the J20. So when you go over there, you better be flexible uh, and, and, and not sure where he's going to be. Exactly. Yeah. Are there some nights where you look and he's not in the lineup and you're saying time to pad the expense account? I mean, what am well, I going to do? Henrik Zetterberg lives in Angleholm, which is the city of Rogla. So I always knew I had a good backup plan if, uh, if they weren't going to play. So it was, uh, you know, it was always always enjoyable to you know to go over there you know we're obviously very fortunate you know when I travel over to Sweden I get to you know I had some some you know some fun days you know seeing Nick Lidstrom Jonathan Erickson obviously Kroner you see Henrik Zetterberg uh, you know, so it's it's pretty cool to be to be able to go over there and uh, played a lot of paddle tennis when I was over there. So it was exciting <laughs> to do that during the days and then got ready for uh, for the games at night. Well, you talk about Marco Casper. Obviously, you love the way that he performs on the ice, but you go through a whole interview process with him. And I don't know if that was specifically you or it was the scouting staff in Sweden. But what did they or you like? about him off of the ice from his character perspective uh well er, you know what early on i was over there i think in october mm-hmm. uh both hawk and anderson and thomas carlson uh you know were, were raving about you know the character of of this marco casper that i didn't really know too much about uh you know and then you start talking about rogla and they're just like it's 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 every day for this kid you know he's mm-hmm. in the gym uh he just enjoys you know everything about being a hockey player and, and i think at an early age he really understands the importance of, you know, the off-ice training and everything that it is going to take to get to the next level, to get to the NHL, mm-hmm. to be a successful NHL player. So uh, just very mature beyond his years. And, and uh, you know, I mentioned it at the, at the draft. Um, you know, he was a player that, that knew he was going to leave Austria to come over and, and play 
you know, in Roga play in Sweden, and he ended up teaching himself the Swedish language. And he walked into into Rogla and, and, you know, obviously some of the players started talking to him, you know, in English and he answered in, in Swedish right away. <laughs> so, you know, pretty impressive young man. And then uh, you meet his uh, you meet his parents, mom and dad were at the draft and you can see where it comes from. You know, obviously, uh, you know, very impressive family. And, you know, so all those things, you, you know, you, you look at a prospect, we, you know, the combine you know, you basically have 20 minutes with a prospect that interview could have just kept going on. It ended up just being a conversation. It wasn't, it wasn't an interview at all. It's something that we really enjoyed an impressive young man. Um, you know, so all those things you get excited about him of, of what he is off ice. He understands the importance of, you know, of everything. He has a plan. He has an idea. He knows what he wants to be. He has an understanding of, you know, how hard it's going to be to, to be, you know, in the NHL. And, and he just wants to get better, you know, uh, all the time. And, you know, so you start listening to that. You start watching him play. And then just all those things excite you to be able to call his name come draft day. Chris, one final question about Marco Casper because we have like at least eight other guys hours, to so. talk to you about. Yeah, I can go on with Chris as he knows forever. But um, with Casper, now I know the rules. Is this the only time you're going to have him before he goes back to Sweden? I mean, he because he plays in a European league and or if he were playing for a college, U.S. college team, they cannot go to the prospects tournament. They cannot go uh, to training camp or is that still to be decided? Uh, still to be decided. So we'll just kind of wait and see. Like I said, Steve will be in, in contact, you know, you know, talking to Marco all week and then obviously his agent, uh, you know, and the family as well. So we'll just kind of wait and see. But in the end, uh, you know, whatever decision is, is going to be made regarding, you know, Marco, it's, it's in the best interest of, of him and his development. Let's go to a second round pick, number 40 overall, Dylan James out of the USHL Sioux yep. City. He won a championship there so that's something that sparked my attention right away what did you guys like about him uh obviously that's you know a a big part you you know you you love your prospects to be able to play in big games big Mm -hmm. moments and and obviously win big games they ended up uh you know becoming uh clark clark cup champions um you know i was able to watch him play in the playoffs uh you know the one thing noticed about dylan there was a lot of times goals that he scored were either game tying goals or, or game winning goals. Mm-hmm. It just seems that he was able to step up at, at some pretty big moments. Obviously he was also uh, the USHL rookie of the year, which is, yeah. uh, you know, pretty right. impressive as well. Um, you know, so a, a lot of, a lot of good things to watch him. We really, he's, he's going to North Dakota, you know, so he's got, he's got a really good path. Um, he's got good size. He can skate. You know, he's he's a left winger that was used in all situations. And, you know, obviously talking to the people uh, around Sioux City, they had a lot of really good things to say about him. And I know North Dakota, you know, is really excited to get him in there next year and into his program. So, you know, a real, you know, two-way um, hockey player, uh, understands how to play the game with and without the puck, real responsible. And, you know, when you look at, you know, where he scores his goals, he scores his goals in, in the right area. So competitive kid that gets to the inside, gets to the hard areas and a, and a good skater and, and somebody, you know, that you like to see when they're put in those situations, uh, obviously excelled and, you know, good for him for, uh, for being a part of a championship team. You said after the draft that you liked that he was going to North Dakota because that meant he was going to play <laughs> hockey and do nothing else. Yeah. So that 
they must just play hockey in North Dakota. Well, have you been there in December and January and February? (laughs) I can tell you right now, when you leave a beautiful facility, (laughs) when you leave that rink, you have your big Canada goose on, the biggest jacket you can find. You have the toque, the gloves, and you're in a full sprint to get to your car, and you hope it starts to get back to your hotel so it can get cold don't feel that not way, at all they're wearing their jerseys and they think it's great it's <laughs> hockey weather I, I got soft over you know since i've retired yeah you know, well you said that i started laughing at myself i'm thinking that there's a parent there in north dakota saying you know billy i was sending you there for academics <laughs> <laughs> i might have ruined it for, for yeah, some yeah, of them yeah. but uh, the secrets out thanks to chris yeah <laughs> and i mean and pro, what a i mean what a an atmosphere the rink there it's one of the best and if not the best in college hockey so they've uh you know north dakota what they've done over the years with their prospects everyone knows about that so let's move to the second pick in the uh in, in round two the, the pick you got from washington 52 overall because he might be the most intriguing player in all of the draft because of the whole world situation. He's a Russian. As I said, Dmitry Buchelnikov. Yep. And uh, really impressive numbers. Uh, what can you tell us about him, Chris? Because I think, again, because the Red Wings, you know, they do their own thing, and that's what we love about them. But uh, I think it kind of stunned people that you, would, uh, that you took this uh, Russian left winger uh, when you did. Um, well... We we obviously traded our third round pick uh, to bring in uh, to bring in another goalie, which I think was you know an incredible move for our organization. We know we needed to do that, uh, so we were all excited to do that. So, you know, kind of um, you know for us talking to our Russian scout Nikolai, we had a lot of uh, conversations you know with him throughout the year and especially the second uh, second part of the year. And then you know obviously when we were going through our meetings, he was. Uh, Really, really excited about uh, the way Dimitri was playing, how he was developing, and then you know, from obviously I didn't see him live, mm-hmm. um, but I did uh, watched a lot of a lot of video on on Dimitri, and you know, you just see uh, he's got a knack for the net, he's got skill and sense, and and then you know, talking to Nikolai, he's just uh, you know, he's a character kid. Um, you know, and then, you know, since we've drafted him, he's so excited to be part of the Detroit Red Wing organization. He's obviously, he knows the history of, of the Russians and the success that we've had with, with Russians here in Detroit. And right away, he asked Nikolai if, uh, you know, we could help him out with, you know, getting a translator. He really wants to learn the English language. He's talking about, you know, can we do, you know, can he do some, some video work with, uh, with our organization? So he seems very excited and very eager to continue to get better and continue to, to, to develop. Um, you know, so I think, you know, with that, we were, um, you know, you kind of look at where you are at your list and, you know, it's something that we've talked about before. You get your list, you get your names on and you trust your list and you make your selections. And, you know, it just uh, at that time, it was uh, Dimitri was a player that we wanted to bring into the organization. And at this time, he probably is going to stay in Russia for next season and all of that. But do you have a timeline for him? Have you guys talked about that at all? Because it's got to be tough not being able to see him in person, get to know him on trying to get him over here. Yeah, um, you know what? We'll just uh, honestly, like, we'll, we'll just wait and see and be patient. Yeah. Uh, I know um, I know Sean's reached out, uh, you know, to him. And for the mm-hmm. most part, Nikolai's been talking. So we'll kind of we'll, we'll we'll figure that out as yeah. as we kind of go along here in the summer and, and how it goes. Obviously, he's in, a, you know, he's in a a good program over in, in Russia playing in ska. Um, you know, they've obviously, uh, you know, they've 
have some great players that play in that organization and um, you know but for us it's probably uh, you know going to have to be you know patient mm -hmm. um, and then from there we'll just kind of wait and see how it plays out but uh, you know he's uh, you know an intriguing uh, you know player just with you know he's a uh, he's a good skater with very good hockey sense and very good skill and and just kind of seems to be able to create offense so we'll just uh, just kind of wait and see how uh, how everything goes uh, along with him right and the Red Wings much like the Swedes have had pretty good luck with Russian players yeah. uh, for the most part uh, uh, let's go to the third round because I you know you might not tell me how this works behind the scenes but you know you work your tail off all year you know you're going third round pick okay here we are I can't wait number 73 this is the dude you know this is the guy that I want when does Steve tell you does he does he tell you Thursday night does he tell you Thursday morning hey look we don't have a third round pick but we we've got the rights to Billy Huso uh, who yeah. we're gonna sign to yeah. a three-year extension yeah uh, I listen the, the Detroit Red Wing is priority number one right, I obviously right. know that and uh, you know you you know the importance of goaltending and you also know how small the market is you know for goaltending so it was you know it was uh basically a discussion of 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 what we were going to do and i'm all for you know making you know the product uh you know at little caesars arena better uh the detroit red wings better and we know we added uh you know a very good goalie to you know to to, to be a very good tandem uh with ned so it just made sense you know there's uh you know i t totally understand uh you know what we're doing did uh did i want the third round pick everyone you know that's that's uh <laughs> you know a director of amateur scouting always wants to have as many picks as possible um, but it just, uh, you know, it made sense for the organization. So, you know, it's, um, it is what it is, you know, it's, uh, we still had a lot of picks coming into, uh, you know, into day two. And, um, you know, we understand that the importance is, uh, you know, every time we, Stevie has an opportunity to make the Detroit Red Wings better, it's something he's going to do. And I'm all for that as well. So it was, uh, you know, to me, it was a third round pick to, to bring in Billy Huso was, uh, was a great move for us. And luckily you had three fourth round picks, right? Yep. So you got to have some fun in the fourth round. The first one at 105, Anton Johansson, a Swedish defenseman. Yep. I'm just going to say it, he seems to fit the build of every other defenseman that you guys have drafted recently. So what do you like about him and what makes him fit well with the Red Wings? Yeah, you know what? Good size, six yeah. foot four, right shot demon. That's, uh, you know, very good skater, very mobile. Um, you know, I think that uh, when you start looking at that, uh, you get excited about that opportunity. Uh, my first viewing on him was was actually, you know, pretty lucky. I was up there watching another prospects, uh, you know, in, in Lexon. And, you know, he I didn't even know that he was going to be dressed and he ended up being dressed and he ended up getting a lot of ice time. And, you know, Thomas Carlson was with me and we kind of had a little conversation okay. about him and talked to Hawken. And, and uh, you know, it was it was a player that, uh, you know, both uh, Hawken and TC were, were very excited about. And and then you continue to watch and you do some video and then you have conversations um, and he just, you know, he's, he's a player that, you know, he needs to get stronger. That's something that he definitely needs to do. But uh, we, re we really like his size. Um, you know, and he's a right shot D man that moves well, you know, like I think that that's something important, you know, with, uh, you know, you kind of look at the depth chart and you kind of see where you're at and an opportunity to add, uh, you know, a, a, a right shot D man that has size and, and obviously is very mobile. Um, was something that we wanted to do. And like I said, he uh, he understands that he has to get stronger. He understands what he needs to do, um, you know, but that that kind of can be said for a lot of, you know, prospects that are 17 and 18 years old. Right. He's 6'4", 179 pounds. So he, he obviously is going to fill out. Now he, and I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce this, Lexans? Yeah. 
uh, for in in the Swedish uh, league. He was a J20 player. So my assumption again is is that <laughs> he, he will again. play on the big club. You're looking at him to be on the SHL roster this year. Correct. Uh, last year he played both. You know he was on the J20, but I saw him actually play in the SHL. That was the game that I was at. Um, you know, and uh, Jesse Wallen uh, actually saw him play J20 as well. So, uh, you know, so it's like I see you kind of wheel, you know, into Sweden and you're not quite sure uh, <laughs> what level they're going to play in. You have to obviously be ready and, and flexible to make sure. But, um, you know, he's, um, you know, talking to Hawken, you know, he feels and, and Lexon feels that, uh, you know, he's going to have an opportunity, you know, to get uh, more games up in uh, up in the SHL. Um, but for the most part, if he even if he does play, you know, J20 for the entire year and, and goes out and plays, you know, 20, 24 minutes, whatever it might be, we're OK with that as right, well. Right. You know, he's on the ice, he's developing, he's playing big minutes and, and big roles. So, you know, that's something, uh, you know, that that we're OK with. Would we, you know, we'll be excited when he does get called up and he does get opportunity. But for the most part, uh, we just want our prospects to play and play a lot. And looking at the other two fourth round picks and OK, if I butcher this. Please correct me. Amadeus Lombardi. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Amadeus. Yeah. I mean, I knew it. Correct me, Amadeus. I mean, <laughs> I knew he was. I knew you were going to love hey, Mozart that name. too. I, Mozart. I mean, yeah. Uh, that, and you yeah. know, Marco Casper's got to be Wait. from Austria. Has got to be a big Mozart. We have fan. to shout out Max Boltman real quick because he told me when I said that name that you were going to say, "Oh, Mozart." He he literally called that. Oh yeah. Saving there's, well, there's no okay. Art being predictable. No. no. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, you got Lombardi. But in a good way. <laughs> and then uh, Maximilian Kilpinen, so a Swedish left winger. Two good winger. names. Yeah. yeah. Is that why? You, I seriously, you, Red Savage was la when we talked to you about Red Savage. I was yeah. like, okay, excellent name. Yeah. You have like. 10 great first names. You might even have to put their first names Part on the jerseys. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, great, great, great we haven't talked about them yet, but they've also drafted an Ali. So, I yeah. Mean, oh my gosh. Yeah. Tanias, too. We'll get to him. We'll get yeah. to him, but I'm just listing all the great all the names. names. Okay, yes. but anyway, yeah. back to the two fourth rounders and Amadeus yep. Lombardi and Maximilian Kilpinen. What'd you like about them? Why were they a good fit? Yeah, well, well first, first off, both centers, which yes. is mm. something that, uh, you know, as you, you know, we've kind of said it before, looking at the depth of our organization, something that. You know, we really wanted to, to continue to add on. We needed to get some pieces. We needed to get some centermen. Um, Amadeus Labardi just played uh, north of us uh, in Flint. Uh, he was a player that uh, had an opportunity to, to, to see play a lot. And the one thing, you know, really from the start of the season to the end of the season, it was amazing how uh, his role grew. Uh, he just started. He, he just he just started earning, you know, more ice time. Started earning the trust of the coach. Their coach is a former American Hockey League coach. Um, and for him, you know, for a 17-year-old kid to 18-year-old kid to come in and earn, you know, more ice time is something that, that, that you love to see. And then come playoff time, he was just a, he was a player that, you know, just wouldn't go away. You know, the way that he played, he, he, he was, uh, he's very tenacious. He's a good skater. He's always on the puck. He knows how to play on the right side of the puck. And, and, and like I said, it comes back to, you know, playing come playoff time. You know, it's, it's that, that's when you want to see these prospects really play their best hockey. And, uh, you know, Amadeus was able to do that. Um, and then uh, Maximilian Kilpinen, um, you know, he was hurt the first half of the season. Um, which obviously kind of limit the opportunity to play for, you know, some Swedish national teams, both Hawken and TC, you know, uh, obviously saw him play, you know, quite a bit. Um, he's got good size. He's a good skater. And, uh, you know, he has, he has good hockey sense as well. So, you know, some of, you know, you start looking as you kind of get, you know, down into, you know, the mid to later rounds, uh, a lot of those boxes, these, both these prospects checked for us. Uh, I'm really, it, when you're describing Amadeus, I'm thinking to myself, wow, he 
kind of sounds like a Chris Draper type of player. <laughs> um, I hope he's better. <laughs> well, how about face-offs? I mean, are you going to be out there teaching these guys how to take face-offs since you drafted, what, uh, four centers? Yeah, we'll probably, you know, over, uh, you know, this week probably, you know, have some some talks with those guys on the importance of face-offs. But, uh, Will you physically yeah. be out on the ice? I don't know. I don't know yet. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I can't I can't make any promises. Just like I don't know where Marco's going to play, I don't know if I'm going to be out on the ice. So, um, you know, it's it's uh, you know he he there is some you know some similarities. You know, like I said, I, I you know like the 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 way that he played and and you know it was interesting. I, I know some coaches throughout the OHL and and after we selected him, you know, a couple of coaches you know sent me a text and you know just kind of you know very complimentary of the way that he played and and obviously when you have another a visiting team coach complimenting someone else's players uh you know you, you like that so um you know he uh he's just uh you know it, it was it's nice when you're able to you know 40 45 minutes away and get up there and, and watch uh watch a, a prospect play and like i said the, the the thing that i liked is just from you know where he was at the start of the season mm -hmm. to where he finished the season and that was something that uh, was pretty impressive for him all right, Tanias Matherin, defenseman, OHL. What makes him have some Red Wing DNA? What is it about him? Um, big kid, uh, you know, very athletic. Um, you know, he was, um, you know, a, a player. He had some, some injuries this year. Uh, I was fortunate. Uh, Ryan Ulihan, a former Red Wing, coaches mm -hmm. him. Uh, and then actually their strength coach up there was my strength coach my entire uh, NHL career. So we had some, uh, you know, obviously some insight to that. Um, but he's, uh, you know, he's, he's mobile. Um, he's got a very good stick. Uh, he understands, um, you know, how to defend. He does it the right way. Um, he's a, he, and he's a big kid that, uh, you know, can, uh, can really, you know, get up and down the ice. And, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's a defensive defenseman. Um, his puck skills are, you know, get the puck, move the puck, and, and be very efficient that way. But we really like his size. We, you know, this, this uh, Tanias has a chance to be a big, strong, you know, mobile defender. And, you know, those are the things that you like. Very responsible and, and you know, plays top PK minutes and, and plays against the other team's, uh, you know, top two lines. And, and uh, you know, that was something that's, uh, that stood out for us. You know, uh, Danielle, you may not be aware of this, but Chris Draper was a workout fiend when he was a player. I mean, he was constantly working out. See not that? as bad as Chelly. You never rode the exercise oh, yeah. bike in the sauna, yeah, did you? Yeah, he, he brought that to me. <laughs> oh, did yeah, he? Yeah. <laughs> so then I liked it so much, I built a sauna in my house with a bike. So, really? So, yeah. Still do it? Still do it, yeah. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Try to, uh, yeah, I mean, if... To, you know, today I already had it. I had it done this morning before I came down here, and it's. Uh, I thank Shelly for that. Yeah, love it. I mean, I, I can remember when it was for, when he first did it. Everybody, you know, the, the chatter in the room was is that you know we're gonna walk in one day. He's gonna be passed out on the floor. Nah, I mean, that, you never got lightheaded Shelley's or got anything. got Sparta blood. You know, he's. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's uh, you know at first we're all kind of like everyone's like you know what are you doing? You know, it's sauna from one extreme to the cold tub and. Just basically said, just you know, give it a give it a try one day, and I did, and I was like, you know, I, I like this. So I have a TV in my sauna, and oh, yeah. you know, there's time, you know, during the playoffs, you know, first period, sit in there and and uh, you know, ride the bike and and watch NHL playoff hockey. It's a perfect night. Wow, yeah. crazy. Yeah. I I'm not gonna give it a try. I'm just gonna say that. Right <laughs> Actually, now. it's 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 kind of sounds. If you can withstand it, pretty refreshing, I would imagine. Unreal. It's got to really, yeah. like, you're, you're just, all those toxins are just flushed right out of your body. What are you implying, Art? 
hey, what are you implying over there? All right. I'm more about me than you. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, round seven. We've got Moving two on. more draft picks to cover. <laughs> Hopefully you tell them all that they should start riding their saunas. Make sure you have a the bikes the, in the sauna. I think it's the TVs, the key. You need the Absolutely. TV. I agree. Yeah. And then actually, uh, incredibly enough, are, are the, the late – uh, Chica, who we oh, all right. love and miss oh, dearly, yeah. he uh, he actually makes these sauna hats, and it kind of it's uh, <laughs> it's I, I gotta admit it's a goofy looking thing, but it kind of kind of cools you off a little bit, so your head doesn't get as hot as as you would think. So give me a sauna hat, yeah. and I will. I'll try it out. I'll, I'll show you what it looks like, okay? And okay. you tell me if you're going to wear it. <laughs> <laughs> with the hat on yeah, there side, we go. Like, uh -uh. Well, you know, speaking of which, since we're talking a little bit about wardrobe, you know, we know that you had a collection of jerseys and hats at the draft, and only two players were yeah. there yeah. That, that you signed. Oh, so you were going to – are you giving Say these – who it was. Are you giving these kids uh, – Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's theirs. They so, earned it. So I can't, I can't Sorry, snag a jersey yeah. or hat, huh? No. How no. about Danielle? I'll see what I can do. All right, thank yeah. you. Well, Danielle is getting one before you, I'll <laughs> yeah. be honest. I mean, no. That, that, <laughs> I knew that was going to be That I knew. <laughs> that I knew. All right, well, you mentioned that there was only two of the draft picks there, one of them being Marco Casper and one mm -hmm. being a seventh-round pick yeah. and Brendan Ali. And then, of course, your other uh, seventh-round pick was Owen Mellenbacher, both centers again. Yeah. Can you talk about the two of them and what they had? Yeah, Owen played up in uh, in Muskegon. Um, you know, he's uh, both are going to go back and play, uh, play in the USHL next year. Um, you know, talking, I, I was able to see Owen play, you know, quite a bit, another uh, organization that, that's close to us, which is great. Um, you know, talking to him and talking to our USHL scouts, uh, his first half of the season was, was okay. And then the second half of the season, he started, uh, you know, playing more of the type of player that he's going to have to be. Um, you know, he had, a, you know, effective line. He's a, he's a bigger kid. He's strong on the puck. Below the top of the circles is, is probably where he plays his best hockey. Knows how to protect the puck. And another player that gets into, into the hard areas with his size and strength. Um, you know, so that was a, a player. And then he's going to Wisconsin. Um, you know, so obviously another good hockey program. And then, uh, you know, with Brennan Ali, um, I, he played most parts in, uh, in Avon and, and then he did play some games, uh, in the USHL. I actually was able to see a couple of his games, uh, when he was playing in, in Lincoln. Uh, he's going to go back, play a year in Lincoln, and then he's off to Notre Dame. So, uh, you know, two, two prospects, two centermen, um, you know, and, and obviously going to two, two real good programs that, you know, we like, uh, you know, the development path, you know, they're going to play another year of junior, you know, they're not in a rush. They understand, you know, where they have to go uh, before they move on. And I think uh, it's something, uh, you know, that's important. And, uh, you know, got a text from uh, from Notre Dame. They're they're very excited about, you know, Brennan and, and what he can uh, what he can bring. Good skater, um, you know, he, and another guy that plays the position that we were looking for, um, you know, and has a chance, uh, you know, to I think next year in the, in the USHL, you know, to play a, a pretty important role for their for his team. Ali going to Notre Dame, which is, uh, you know, Jeff Jackson runs a great program there, certainly. Um, it seems that he could be one of those diamonds in the rough. I mean, when he was picked, uh, you, know, I, you know, I started scouring and everyone was saying about this guy that, whoa, you know, that maybe people forgot about him or something, that he should have gone before the seventh round, I mean, is you know, is that a fair assessment? Do you think that this could be a, a really good find for? Not that the other. Hey, I hope all, all these guys <laughs> yeah. make it. Trust yeah. me. But uh, I but but I'm kind of curious about that. Were, were you surprised that he was there? 
we, we can say yes. Uh, you know, we, we were, um, you know, but like, it just comes back. You just don't know what, what other teams are thinking and what the industry, you know, is thinking, you know, in the end, uh, you know, Brendan was, was on our list and, you know, both, uh, you know, both Brendan and Owen, we were, we were excited to, you know, to pick and, um, you know, he's just, uh, I, I'm, we're not quite sure, you know, it's, uh, you, you just, you, you never know, but, um, you know, when you sit there and you have two sevens and, uh, you know, you look at it and you look at their paths of, uh, of how both these guys, the opportunities that they have to continue to develop is something that, uh, you know, means a lot to, to us. We can be patient with them. Another year in the USHL, the opportunity to go into school and, you know, we'll see, um, you know, hopefully they continue to develop in three or four years. You know, we, you know, just like a lot of these prospects, we're, we're excited for what they can be. All right, just one more question from me. This is how we'll wrap it up. Development camp taking place at Little Caesars Arena this week. There hasn't been a development camp since 2019. Mm -hmm. um, from your perspective, what are the benefits of having all of these prospects here in one place and kind of watching them play and teaching them a few things? You know what? Um, it's It's been great. Some of these players that, you know, that I selected, this is really the first opportunity yeah. that, that I've had to, to meet them, which is uh, – you know, obviously, uh, you know, unheard of, but, um, you know, for, you know, we, we had a, a, a dinner last night with the prospects, Stevie spoke, Dan Cleary spoke, and really what we want to do is it's give them information, uh, you know, just on everything on, on basically, you know, from, from off, off ice, you know, for, you know, game preparation, the importance of, of that, you know, to get ready, not only for games, but for practices, the importance of, of the gym, something that, you know, we're really big on, um, you know, I think our, our sports science de department's Saunas. incredible. Sauna bike rides with, with the goofy hat on. The goofy Chica, hat and the TV you know, on, of course. With the TV uh, and a cold tub real close. Uh, you know, just, uh, and then from there, you know, uh, Lisa McDowell, our nutritionist will be there, you know, every single day and, and the importance of, you know, eating right and when to eat and how to eat properly. Um, I mean, we're, we're getting education as well, just being around this, but then just on the ice, you know, it's, uh, we have our skills coach, you know, Dwayne Blaze is obviously there doing some stuff. Benny Simon's around uh, the coach in, uh, in Grand Rapids. And then, you know, all of us just, uh, it's, it's great. And, and, you know, the one thing, and it's actually been, it's, it was only last night and today, but it's, it's, it's pretty cool to see the interaction that these players want to have, not only amongst themselves, but, you know, the opportunity, I mean, you know, to talk to Stevie has got to be something that, uh, you know, is probably a little intimidating, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, you know, he just wants the same. He wants what's best for, for, for all our prospects. Um, you know, Sean Horkoff, Dan Cleary, Nicholas Cronwell's in town. I mean, if I'm a defenseman, I'm going right up to, to Kroner and, and just, uh, I'm, you wouldn't be able to shake me. You know, I'd want to take everything I could from, from Kroner. Yuri Fisher's around. You know, so it's just, it's, it's incredible to have, you know, all levels of players. We all kind of found different ways, you know, to make it. You know, Stevie being, you know, one of the greatest players of all time. Um, to Dan Cleary, that was a, a first-round pick. And then all of a sudden he came to the Detroit Red Wings as, as a walk-on and, and had a tryout and goes on, you know, to win a, a Stanley Cup in a huge part. Um, it's, it's, you look at Nicholas Cronwell, who spent a couple more years in, in Sweden and developed and got a little bit bigger and stronger and then came over here and started the American Hockey League. And you look at the career that he had. So, you know, Stevie encouraged all these prospects to, to if, 
if you get an opportunity, talk to someone, you know, ask questions, don't be shy. We're all in this together. Um, and then on the medical side, obviously with our, you know, our training staff there, if there's anything, you know, that they need, if there's any questions that they need, uh, it's, uh, you know, so, so for starting from last night all the way through to Thursday, you, we want to give these prospects as, as much information and, and, and education as possible that we can. And from there, just create relationships with these guys. And, and we know, I mean, Dan Cleary does an incredible job with our prospects, the player development, obviously I'm biased, but uh, with him and, and Kroner, you know, to me, the best in the league with the way these guys, you know, you know, do it. And, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm lucky to be able to draft a, a player, be excited of what they are, and then basically grab, you know, this this prospect and hand them off to, to Clears and, and Kroner, knowing that, you know, the education, the information and, and them being challenged, uh, you know, probably game in and, and weekly and monthly is, is something that, you know, is going to make these prospects better. Um, you... Uh why do you look at me and then? Well, because because you know the the I, I've known Chris for so long now that it, you know I, I've got like thousands of questions that I can ask him. Take but your best but one. my <laughs> favorite Chris Draper quote of all time, which speaks to his perseverance and how he made himself a player, which has to really be inspirational. I would imagine to these young men that the Red Wings just drafted. I mean your story in particular, but when he was acquired by from Winnipeg to Detroit. His first thought was, "How am I going to make the Detroit Red Wings? I can't even make the Winnipeg Jets." I mean, I, I mean, I mean, it was valid, funny. Valid point. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. right. But, but, do you relate your story, or, or you know, do you seek it out, or do do they people come because truly? You made yourself the, the 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 player you were. I mean, there you really your route is very very interesting. It's a little uh, bit unconventional too. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's conversations that we have with these prospects. Uh, you know, the you know when obviously when I was traded from from Winnipeg to Detroit, I was I was thankful that you know Winnipeg gave me an opportunity to go somewhere else. I was a little uh, little nervous about you know. Uh, the opportunity that I was going to get with Detroit because down the middle, right off the hop, it was Iserman, Fedorov, Sillinger, and they had just drafted Keith Primo. <laughs> Primo. So I knew I was kind of in tough, but you know what? I, I you know, for, for me, a, a big part of making the team was, was, uh, was off ice and, and conditioning. And I just kind of, I created the mindset that, you know, no one was going to outwork me off ice I could control that I couldn't control what was going on on ice and and uh, I was always going to be ready if I ever got an opportunity it was funny we were we were talking the other night about uh, you know guys were asking about you know how you know getting called up you know to Detroit and it was uh, it was a pretty funny story I was I was playing for Adirondack we were playing in Hamilton which is about an hour from my house I had a ton of family and friends that that came to the game and 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 I, I had myself I had myself a game I had a hat trick I uh, was obviously very excited with the way that I played came out after the game you know saw my mom and dad and family and everything and friends and and I see you know Ken Holland and, and Scotty Bowman I'm like oh like I'm glad that they were here to watch this you know this is pretty good so my dad uh had known Scotty from from previous relationships and I'm sitting there talking to my dad and Scotty's walking over I'm kind of getting pretty nervous probably still get nervous if he walked into to this right now <laughs> and he came up and he's you know hey Mike how are you and they kind of start talking a little bit and uh Scotty's like Chris you know a uh you know good game and I'm just waiting for him to say something on you know congrats on the hat trick or something like this and Scotty looked at me and basically said he goes uh face-offs he's uh he goes uh do you know do you know how many face-offs you won tonight 
kind of like sitting there thinking i'm like i scored three goals <laughs> like i know i don't know how many face-offs i won they didn't track that back in 1993 and right off the he's he's you, you you've won you won 19 of 21 face-offs tonight can you do that in the nhl for the detroit red wings i was like yes i can like this and he's like i'll see you in two weeks and scotty all of a sudden walks away and i kind of said to him, it's two weeks does that mean I'm going to see him in Detroit, or is he coming back to see me in Adirondack? <laughs> and honestly, sure enough, on uh, t- to the day, uh, January 24th, 1994. My, that is the day I was born, the exact day. Oh, there we go. <laughs> and that was the day that uh, that I got called up to the Detroit Red Wings and, and never looked back. So it's amazing how you just, you know, I tell I tell these prospects, you just, you, you never know who's watching, and you never know what, what they're looking for. And, you know, it obviously was something that, uh, you know, ended up being a huge part of, uh, you know, me being a Detroit Red Wing and staying in the NHL. I'm breaking it down. Four centers, three left wings, two defensemen, and, and a goaltender that obviously you acquired yep. uh, who, who's a veteran player. Um, four centers, but when I look at all of them, you know, out of the seven guys were forwards. Was that the plan going in? And only two of them which is Dimitri and Amadeus, are under six feet. Was it preconceived that you wanted to go get bigger and get bigger up front? Um, Not really. Um, You know, I think, um, you know, like I said, it just kind of comes back to to setting the list up and and going through the list. And and when they're, you know, they're on our list and it's time to call their name, that's what we do. But, you know, we had talked about, obviously, positions. Um, You know, the, you know, you look at where we're at, uh, you know, in in our prospect depth and and the pool of prospects that we have, you know, the, you know, it was a position that we wanted to hit on with centers, but we didn't want to hit, we didn't want to pick centers just to pick centers. We want to pick obviously centers that we feel are are, are going to be good prospects in future Detroit Red Wings. So that's kind of how it worked. Um, You know, with, uh, with Amadeus, uh, you know, it's size isn't going to be, you know, a factor, you know, he's a, he's a kid that, you know, is always going to play bigger than he is. Um, you know, so that's something, but, you know, we just, when, when you look at, you know, how we want to draft a prospect, we've talked about, you want, you want smart hockey players, competitive hockey players, players that can skate, you know, and that's kind of, you know, what we go to look for, uh, you know, game in and game out, uh, pretty well all over the world. Is this kind of a bittersweet moment for you and your staff from this aspect? You spend all year, you get the class that you want, you draft these guys, but now you're essentially going to pass the torch on this class over to Dan Cleary and his staff. And I know Sean Horkoff is still involved in it. He, he, he's always going to be involved in some aspect of player development. But uh, and, and now you have to, like, kind of turn your back on him and you're looking at the, the 23 yeah. draft, right? I mean, so, it, you know, it's like, hey, guys, hey, thank you, Mr. Draper, for drafting us. Yeah, I'll see you when <laughs> – I'll see Hopefully you in a right couple here. of years. Yeah, maybe. Right, right yeah. here on the ice. But I got to yeah. go. I got something else to do. Yeah, I, I mean, that's – you know that's that's how it is and we just talked about it and i think in in three weeks i'll be out in red deer for the uh i mean i i love the 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 gretzky helenka tournament that's such a such a great event um you know really enjoy going out there so it's you know right off the hop uh you know it's it's uh, it's great that we have everyone in here for the last two or three drafts like we touched on uh and i know the prospects uh you know some have been around little caesar arena some are walking in for the first time and are just like you know wow you know, what a, a state-of-the-art facility that we have. And everything, as soon as they walk, you know, through the door is uh, is just first class. And, you know, we just, you know, we want them to want this. And that's something that, uh, you know, is, it's it's going to it's, it's be – it's not going to be easy. That's something that we tell them. Um, they all think they work hard. Um, 
they kind of do, but it's <laughs> it's next level of how hard you have to work, the dedication, and you know the the players that that buy into that are, are going to give themselves the the best opportunity to be future Detroit Red Wings. But for me, it's um, it was a great couple of days. Um, you know, it was uh, another year in the books. Uh, you know, we have uh, great staff. You know, really enjoy working with with all our guys, our European staffs. Uh, you know, incredible every time I go over there. That you know, first class treatment. That uh, you know how they you know take uh, me. I'm a little like a, a little high maintenance when I go over there. I got to be honest. Uh, you know, that's that's uh, we have some it. fun. Yeah, we had some fun with that. I, I uh, and then just kind of traveling all through North America with our guys. Uh, you know, it was uh, it was great. It was a uh, lot lot of hard work, uh, a lot of miles, a lot of watching, a lot of game reports I can honestly tell you my typing skills have not improved to the point where I, I want them to that's probably the hardest part of the job is my <laughs> typing skills but uh and then uh, you know from there you're proud of who you select and you know like you said you're off to uh off to the next group so it, your rider includes regardless of where you go in Europe oh, that it's you know it's not like only blue M&Ms or anything like that but yours is sauna yep. exercise <laughs> bike yeah. television or else you're not showing up they know when they book hotels when they book the hotel they send me a text they're like chris there's a there's a sauna and a nice gym and i was like perfect <laughs> yeah, right. yeah they have <laughs> they have me figure so you out carry the bike in yourself right and so and i have i have in europe <laughs> oh believe it or not there's been some places that i have brought the bike into the sauna uh and that's probably one of the first things that i look at if i go down to the sauna i see where the weight room is and see if there's an opportunity to do that sometimes there is and and but most times there isn't and there's never a tv in the sauna yeah. for the record you don't take your you have your phone the room or anything. i can yeah exactly yeah, that's yeah. true that's yeah. how it works yeah. that's how it works one one more on the sauna <laughs> there's a hotel at the at the airport uh in helsinki you can actually get a sauna in your hotel room oh so it's your favorite well, hotel that makes sense so i, I mean, always want to try to fly out of I want to end my trip in Helsinki to fly home, and then I got the sauna for a couple uh, couple days right in my room. Thank you for ah, taking the time to join us. My as pleasure. Always. Appreciate also, it. Also, didn't mean to age you by letting you know that I was born on the day that you were called up. I didn't hear that NHL. part. What the same year? No, I was born on that on that on that day. Yeah. Oh really? I didn't hear that part. Maybe I went to the cheers too fast. I always knew that you my birthday had some importance <laughs> you, you, to it, though. You, I just yeah. didn't know what it was. Yeah. And today, well, you know I what? It out. Yeah. You were born, and Chris Draper got his wings. That's exactly what. I'm <laughs> well, what a way to end it! Yeah, really? Hey. All right, well, on yeah. that. I, I am rolling today. No, that's hey. the best thing that you said all interview. <laughs> yeah, well, right there. Thank you, Chris. I, that really means a lot to me. I always enjoy it. Yeah, Art, my pleasure. Daniela, thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> thank you again, and a big thank you to all of you for tuning in to another edition of the Word on Woodward. We'll see you next time. Well, there you have it. That was Chris Draper and Daniela. I really thought that, uh, as we said, Draper entertaining as always and very um, happy, I think, with the direction that this organization is going in. Well, how can you not be, right, especially after getting Marco Casper? Chris Draper talked a lot about how some of the guys that they drafted, they didn't really expect to be available to them, like Brennan Ali in the seventh round. They were really excited to scoop him up. And you know how important having that many draft picks are. So if you can hit on some of those later round picks, it's super important to the rebuild process. Right. And our man Amadeus, uh, you know, showed oh, yeah. something. Uh, and, uh, we, and this was obviously recorded before um, uh, development camp. But Amadeus looked pretty good in those three-on-three scrimmages as well. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun with Chris Draper, as usual. And uh, we appreciate this. If you're just kind of 
joining us and wondering what the heck are you guys doing with Daniela <laughs> is the 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 co-host here this is a special red and white authority episode 183 where we're uh, where we're looking at a couple of word on Woodward interviews we did on July 10th with Chris Draper and on July 25th with Craig Button we've kind of sandwiched them together so in case you missed the wow show you can hear it and if you think you're going nuts and saying I think I heard this before chances are if you heard the wow show you you have heard this before but it's wildly entertaining right Daniela oh wildly entertaining anytime the two of us get together it's way too much fun so yeah. I'm sure everyone is excited to hear it again even if it's for the 10th time really exactly okay then without further ado uh, let's uh, turn our attention over to the, the director of scouting for TSN, former NHL general manager and director of scouting in the NHL as well, uh, Craig Button. Welcome to another edition of The Word on Woodward. I'm Daniela Bruce alongside Art Regner and joining us today, a very special guest, TSN analyst and TSN scout, Craig Button. Craig, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Really excited to get your thoughts on everything we've seen this offseason thus from the Red Wings. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, number one. And, and and it is exciting for the Red Wings. I mean, you think back a few seasons ago and where they were at, but this is a team clearly on an upward trajectory. And uh, not only some players are going to help on the ice this year for the Detroit Red Wings, but some real promising players in the pipeline. The Red Wings have had a very active free agent season as as it stands right now. So let's start with that, Craig, and we'll start with the additions they made up front. So the Red Wings signed David Perron, Dominic Kubelik, and of course, Andrew Kopp to some very good deals. We all seem to like them here in Detroit. From your perspective, how much better did the Red Wings get up front with those three signings? I think they got significantly better and, and in different areas of the lineup. You know, I'm gonna start with David Perron. David Perron has an on-ice competitive fire. That, that really, you know, kind of becomes infectious through the lineup. He, he, he's, he's determined, he's competitive in, in his offensive abilities. And, you know, when, when you add that type of a player, and, and I use the word infectious, you know, he, he's not interested in just going out and playing. He's, going, he's interested in going out and doing things to help the team win. Steve Eisenman has talked about, you know, having players that are hard to play against. And people think, Oh, that's being physical. No, being hard to play against is a, is a player that says, you're not stopping me. And if you're going to stop me, it's going to take everything you And that's the way David plays. And I think that when you add players like David Perron to your team, you, you now are, are increasing that team's ability to be harder to play against. So, and David can score and, 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 he, and he's a very, very gifted offensive player. Andrew Kopp. Well, he fits exactly the competitive area. To me, when I look at Andrew Kopp, and, and I'm just going to talk about the, the nine forward spots in your first three lines. Yeah, oh yeah, there he is. And he was he was a darn, darn good quarterback at, at Community High in Ann Arbor, too. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and, you know, so I look at the nine forward spots, Daniela, on, the, uh, on, on a team, first three lines, Andrew Cobb can play in any one of those nine. And, you know, when, when you talk about versatility and, you know, Derek Lalonde coming into the team, you watch how Derek, you know, was with the Tampa Bay Lightning and how John Cooper used players in different spots. You know, that becomes incredibly valuable for a team, knowing that you have a player 
that is so gifted in, in, in his versatility. And he's competitive and he's smart. And I think that Andrew's skill has always been underrated. He can play with top-end players. And, you know, Andrew understands as well as anybody, I think, is that when he's playing with a certain type of player, he knows, okay, this is what I got to do. When he plays with a different type of player, this is what I got to do. And, you know, the, the intelligence that Andrew possesses, along with the competitiveness and along with the skill, you know, I, I, I think it's just, you know, phenomenal. I thought he was one of the best acquisitions if, like, for, for free, uh, for the trade deadline last year. And talking, Gerard, talking to Gerard Gallant, he, he, he said to me, he goes, Oh, I really wish Chris Drury could keep him. He goes, he was a player that he just fell in love with with the Rangers. Obviously, uh, Steve Eisman feels the same way and certainly uh, a player coming home. You know, Dominic Kubalik, I mean, he scored 30 goals a couple seasons ago. He, he you know, as a, as a young player. Now you're looking at a player and, and that gift of scoring. So you add Perron. You add Kubalik, right? You know, let's just say they each get 25 goals. Well, you've just added 50 goals to your lineup. And, you know, when, when the games are on the margins and, you know, Bob Gainey had a great line when he was coaching the Montreal Canadiens years ago. They asked him about, he goes, oh, Bob, you got to feel good about, you know, being in, in one goal games. You didn't win them and you had a lot of one goal losses. And Bob said, yeah, don't hide behind one goal losses. He goes, when you lose by one, that means you needed two to win. And two's a lot in this league. So adding Kubalik, adding David Perron is really, really significant for the Red Wings. You know, finding your way on the right side of the game and at different points when you get breathing room. I, I, like, and I think Dominic will, will come into uh, Detroit. Jakob Ferran is now healthy. We know that he can score. So you're, you're now adding, you know, more skill around your skill. It takes pressure off of Dylan Larkin. It takes pressure off of Lucas Raymond. It takes pressure off of Jakob Verana. You're starting to look at a at a forward group that can get you on the right side of the game, uh, you know, offensively. And, and that is really, really significant for the Red Wings in terms of taking steps forward in the Eastern Conference. When you look at it as a whole, that forward core, uh, the one thing that I like, and I know that, uh, you know, and I talked to Steve about this, is that, I've always said some of the best practices I've ever seen or hockey in my life were the Red Wing teams that Steve played on were their practice sessions because Scotty Bowman had a habit of, even though the roster might have been 24 or 25, there seemed to be almost 30 guys out there uh, competing for ice time. So they practiced extremely hard, except for, you know, guys like Steve. I mean, their role was set that it looks like there's competition finally on this Red Wing roster before because of you know various reasons that you know we don't really have to go into i think everyone knows it now seems that steve was able to maneuver and what he actually did was not only make the red wings more competitive at an nhl level against competition but competition within the tr within the team is going to be fierce this year i can't wait to get to traverse city and see the opening of training camp because as I said, I mean, these guys are going to be playing for keeps from the moment uh, they step onto the ice. Well, you know, managers and coaches talk all the time about how they want competition from within. But if you don't have the players that can provide that competitive environment at a high level, you know, it'll be competitive, but it won't be at the, at the requisite level to push your team ahead. You know, Art and Daniela, you, you know, we talk about the Red Wings teams with Steve Eisenman. So let's just go back. What do you think practice was like 
when you had Darren McCarty, Kurt Maltby, and Chris Draper going at, going up against Fedorov and trying to stop them in practice. And that's exactly what Scotty Bowman created. And, you know, those guys were, were competitive to begin with, but now practice becomes you're not scoring on me and they're trying to score on you. And some of those uh, environments, you know, become, in a lot of cases, sometimes more competitive than the games because uh, of the desire to compete and, and, and to not give in uh, to the other side, whether it be in a practice or whether it be in a game. And Steve Eiserman knows that as well as anybody. And I think when you create the template and you add the players that can push that higher and higher and higher, you, you, you know, it, it really does produce a level of play that carries into the games and, and really helps you, you know, ha have advantages once the games, uh, you know, start. Let's look at the blue line signings now, Craig, as it's Ben Sherratt and Oli Mata to kind of bolster that blue line. You mentioned something I found really interesting in David Perron, just being tough to play against, right? The Ben Sherratt signing might be the deal that fans here in Detroit are most critical of, if there is something to be critical of in free agency and the deals that Steve Eiserman made. But in my mind, the Red Wings don't or didn't, before they signed him, have a defenseman that plays his style of game. How do you see him fitting into the Red Wings lineup? You know, Danielle, I, what I would use the word is fit. Like, you know, if you're going to ask Ben Sherratt to be more than he is, I mean, you're going to you're going to run yourself into problems. Ben will run himself into problems. Very few players are able to extend themselves beyond their capabilities for any stretch of time. You know, having watched Ben so much last year in Montreal, I mean, that was a depleted blue line. And, and Ben Sherratt was a, was a solid, solid player for the Montreal Canadiens. He didn't have the same type of impact uh, with the Florida Panthers, but the Florida Panthers as a whole, I, I didn't think found any, any level that they had seen during the regular season. And certainly Ben was going to be affected by that. But I think when you start to look at the Red Wings blue line, and you start to look at what you're going to ask, not only Ben Sherratt, but Ole Matta, who's another really competitive player. You're not asking them to go up and be frontline players. What you're asking them to do is, is we're going to, we're going to say, we, we need you to do this. And I really think good coaching begins with understanding what a player's capabilities are and then saying, give me that. You don't have to give me more, just give me that. I mean, when, it, when a blue line gets decimated like it did in Montreal, Ben Sherratt's competitive spirit is such that he's, he's just going to try to step it up and try to do as much as he can to help the team win. We talk about competitive environment. Ben's a competitor. And Ben, you know, if, you, if you're going to push him into areas that he's not, uh, that his abilities don't dictate that he can have a high level of success, you're always going to be disappointed. But I would say that that's probably true of 95% of the players in the league. And go back, and again, I'm going to use Derek Lalonde as an example. Go back and look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Jan Ruta, you know, just a steady defenseman. They don't ask Jan Ruta to do, you know, what other players do. Eric Chernak, a big, strong defenseman. They don't ask Eric Chernak to do what Victor Hedman does or what Mikhail Sergachev. And they don't ask Mikhail Sergachev to do what Jan Ruta or, or, or Eric Chernak do. Come in and we're, we're going to support you within our group and we're going to be really, really solid in terms of as a unit, and we're just going to ask you to do your part. I, I think Ben will come in. He's a smart player, and I think he'll be a really strong addition. Ole Matt will be the same. Ole, the only problem with Ole is that he's had some injury issues because the one thing, and I know talking to Mark Hunter and Dale Hunter with the London Knights, they said, 
It's almost like he has this pride in, in being able to take a hit. And Dale and Mark would tell him, avoid the hit. Avoid the hit. Like, you don't always have to take the hit. But I think that that speaks to his competitive fire as well. But, you know, they'll put those two guys into really good spots where they just have to play to their abilities and play to their capabilities. And I think both of them are, are, are more uh, than, than, than solid additions for the Red Wings blue line. You know, Modest Britt, really interesting. When he broke in with, with Pittsburgh, I remember watching him play, and I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, you know, he and Latang the next 15 years. I mean, this is uh, what a blue line. And you're, you're, you're right. He seemed in his Zoom presser once he signed with the Wings, not apologetic, but actually saying, listen, I haven't been good the last couple of years, that he is a – you know, I hate this expression, but I'll use it. A man on a mission. Yeah, he wants to come to Detroit. It's only a one-year deal. And uh, uh, that, you know, he has something to prove not only to the rest of the league, but also to himself. I mean, I, I walked away thinking, boy, whatever this guy has in the tank, all of it is going to be uh, given to the Detroit Red Wings. Well, I mean, Ole's a competitor. And make no mistake about it. I mean, he, you, you go back and look at, you know, his record of, of team success. It's, it's pretty impressive. And I, I, I think at different points of a player's career, you, you know, there becomes a, a what I call a proving grounds. And, and, and not that he has to prove himself as an NHL player, but what he wants to do is show that what you've seen the last couple of years isn't who I am. And I want to come into an environment. I, I think that's the other thing when we talk about Steve as well. You know, he's trying to create an environment where players are coming in to, sh to, to be competitive and to show, hey, I'm here to help this team win. I'm not just here to play. You know, a lot of, a lot of, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't want this to come across as a knock, but if you have an environment where players are coming in to just play, you know, you're not going to have a successful team. You know, Daryl Sutter, I, I want to get the quote right. He says, if you got a, if you got a complacent player, that means he's lazy. And if you have lazy players, you're going to lose. Oli Matt is not complacent. And he, and he certainly isn't lazy. you got to create that environment of, of, of saying, hey, listen, I, I'm not just here to play. You know, the NHL players are gifted and talented. I'm here to help this team win. There's a difference between playing and being dialed in to win. And, you know, I think that Oli Mata and Ben Sherratt fit that description perfectly. All right, last but certainly not least, the Red Wings acquired a goaltender a little bit differently. wasn't during free agency. They traded their third-round pick during the 2022 NHL draft to acquire Vili Husso, which now puts together this great tandem that we are very excited to see here in Detroit of Alex Nedeljkovic and Husso. So what do you think, Craig, from, from your perspective, what is that tandem going to look like as we head into the season? There's a couple things I want to say about that, Daniela. You know, Steve Eisenman last year goes and goes and gets Alex Nedeljkovic for seemingly nothing. At an age where, where we see goaltenders really start to emerge and find their way, find their place in the net at, at, as really good, solid NHL goaltenders. I know a lot of people say, oh, Vili Husso hasn't, hasn't a big resume, but start to look at his age. A third-round draft pick for Vili Husso. Now you have a tandem. 
And I think that the tandem, again, we talk about internal competition. Well, now there's going to be competition with respect to the net. And it's not about fighting for the crease or whatnot. It's about pushing one another. So, you know, Villy's going to play this game. Alex is going to play this game. They get the rest. They can get into practice knowing, hey, I can give everything I got in practice today because I'm not playing the next game. You know, the, the, the other guy is or the morning skate, whatever it may be. I, I think when you, in the absence of a 60-game clear-cut number one goaltender, you have to look at the next options. And I think that having Huso and Nadelkovic in the net, who, who I think are really fundamentally sound goaltenders, Daniela, really works well for the Red Wings. They're going to be tighter defensively. They're going to give more uh, goal support for, for their goaltender. The, the extension of this also is, it also gives Sebastian Kosa, their first round draft pick from 2021, just... Go, go go down to the minors and work on your game. Just go play. He doesn't have to be rushed into doing it. He now gets to find his form uh, in pro hockey without, you know, w without any type of pressure to have to advance quicker than he's capable of advancing. So I, I think Steve has addressed the goaltending in a significant way, not just with the present uh look of the, of the Red Wings goaltending, but also with the future in terms of putting a goaltender into a real good spot to develop nicely. The, the Red Wings have added a lot. They look like there's a lot of internal competition, uh, yet they, uh, uh, when, when you look at this team and, and the way that they're going to mesh, there's a couple of, uh, of rookies that people are excited maybe to see in a Detroit uniform or at least in training camp. One is Simon Edmondson, who now, uh, and, and we haven't even talked about another addition of the blue line, the 10-year veteran from Buffalo, uh, um, Mark, um, I always, I always want to call Mark him, Pichet. yeah, Pichet. Pichet. I always want to call him, I want to call him psych for some reason, but, uh, um, uh, you know, who is, is, is a good, good veteran presence. I mean, he's, you know, he also adds depth, but what about Edvinson? Marco Casper already is going to go back to Rogla, I guess, in Sweden, but, but but people are looking at Edmondson, and maybe it's the the Mo Sider syndrome that okay you know they've got two studs now on the blue line Mo this year or last year and now another you know potential uh, uh, Calder guy rookie of the year Simon Edmondson I mean is it possible with the moves that the Red Wings have made that Simon Edmondson who does not lack confidence which I love uh, he he seems pretty prepared. Uh, to compete and compete hard for a job uh, on the big club this year. Yeah, and, and I would say that, uh, you know, there's a couple indications for, you know, the, the World Junior Tournament, which was postponed from last December, January, is going to be played in August. Now, Simon was named to that team and was in, and, and until, until he said, wait a second here, my, my goal needs to be the NHL not the world junior team. So he's he's now set his sights clearly on coming in and competing for a spot with the Detroit Red Wings. And, you know, is he ready? We're going to find out. But I know this in, in Simon's mind, he, he's ready to go and show that he's ready. And, you know, I said this to Chris Draper last November. I saw Chris uh, at a game in, in the Quebec League, and he had just been back from Europe. And, and I just said to him, I said, oh, boy. I said, you're going to have Sider and Edvinson on the blue line for the next 15 years. You know what? Chris didn't have to say a word to me because his smile went right up to his ears. And, you know, he knows. And let me tell you that two outstanding young defensemen that become pillars on the blue line. Pillars, in my view. 
and you know obviously both six overall picks you know and you know you start to look at that ability to build out your team in, in, in such a critical area of, of, of success the blue line so simon is an elite skater he's an elite competitor you know I, i've said this to you before uh, art I don't know what his offensive upside is. And when I say upside, is it 60? Like, I don't think it's 60 points. I think it easily could be 40 points. But it's everything else he does in the game that's going to help you be successful. So the fact that he's in his mind saying, I'm coming there to compete for a spot. I mean, it, it, I don't know how much Red Wings fans have seen Simon Edmondson. They saw a lot of looks at most Sider, the rookie of the year. Just look at your blue line. And, you know, you got a left-right combination. They're big, competitive, good skating, excellent hockey sense players that are going to be a big part of the Red Wings' future. A big part. Well, let me just say, one's already a big part of their present, and the other one's close to being a big part of their present. Forget about the future. Yeah, unfortunately, fans haven't been able to see much of Simon Edvinson. He was here for our development camp, but he made it for the very last day. So I know that he's here skating now, but um, haven't got to see too much of him. So it'll be pretty fun to watch training camp and prospects tournament when we get to that point. Another prospect and he's that still I know. Growing. It, it, yeah, he did tell us. He's, that he's six, they, six he was listed so at six four when the Red Wings drafted him. He's now six six. I mean, you know, I don't know if he's going to have any more growth spurts. Are we looking at like Zidane Chara height uh, too? He's going to be like almost eight feet on skates before he's done growing. I mean, the, he is a big, big kid. Very, very tall. Let, let me just add this one thing, uh, Danielle and Art, about, about Simon too. You know, a lot of bigger players, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to work, you know, the physical maturity into their own development. That, that's not the case with Simon. Simon's an elite skater right now. Elite skater. There's the, all he's doing now is, is is literally growing. He's just he's just physically maturing right in front of everybody's eyes. But a lot of players, you know, you, oh, you got to get stronger in your legs, and you got to you know work on the skating, and you're a little bit awkward. Not Simon. 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 When I say elite skating ability, it, it's in every single regard. Pivoting, lateral movement, quickness, speed, everything that goes with it. I mean, he, he is outstanding. So the fact that you're talking about somebody that's going to be 6'8", 6'9", on skates, right? That's not about, oh, once everything else comes together, that skating is already elite. Yeah, and another prospect that I was going to mention is Albert Johansson, who will be coming oh. over to go pro. And he was drafted in the later rounds in 2019. And the front office is very excited about what he is going to bring over here, whether that be in Detroit or Grand Rapids next season. But that's another player Red Wings fans should be very, very excited to see. Oh, yeah. You know, Albert is uh, – like he, so Albert is the player that, like, as, as going into his draft here, he wasn't physically mature. But you watch the game, and he was in every competitive battle. You know, the year the, the Swedes won the uh, U18 championship uh, – uh, uh, Soderstrom, who got drafted by, I, I can't believe I've gone blank on his on, on his first name, got drafted by the uh, Arizona Coyotes 11th overall. Victor Soderstrom, sorry. Victor, he, he went out of that tournament. He a, a real good top defenseman on that Swedish team went out of the lineup. He got hurt. And Albert Johansson and Tobias Bjorn fought, who was the captain of that team playing in L.A. Lucas Raymond, the, you know, scored the golden goal for Sweden on home ice 
to win the gold medal. I mean, I, you watch those two guys in the absence of a top defenseman just lead their team, you know, in terms of every competitive battle, every situation where it required, you know, that ability to just find a way to get the job done in that particular moment. And all you looked at with Albert was once he physically matures, he's going to be just fine. You know, I, I, we, we seem to have used competitive a lot here uh, during this conversation. And, you know, it's not by accident. You know, we talked about competitive environment. We talked about competitive players. We talked about competition, right? Well, Albert Johansson is, is a player that's going to bring every bit as much competitive fire and spirit to a team as any of the other players we've talked about. He, he's, he's in it to win it. It's as simple as that. That's all he cares about. He's in it to win it. And as he's physically matured, there is no question in my mind, Albert's going to play in the NHL and be a longtime NHL player and be one of those players people are going to say in time, how did they get him at that part of the draft? A lot of times undersized players get underestimated and it's a, it's a mistake that continues to happen in NHL scouting circles. All right, we've had so many good things to talk about that we're barely going to hit on our draft talk. But I'm just going to give you, I'm, I'm just going to lay this out for you, Craig. What'd you think of what the Red Wings did in their 2022 NHL entry draft? Give us your thoughts. Well, I mean, Steve and Chris Draper and the group, they're very clear in what they're looking for. You know, and, you know, everybody, like, in you, you talk about it, people think, oh, it's this player or that player. It's never one player. It's a group of players, and then you come down to a decision at your pick, what you feel is best for your group. Marco Casper improved so much over the course of the season. You know, and keep in mind, this is a young player from Austria, you know, that's coming into Sweden. He's playing on the big team, doesn't get as much opportunity, fourth line, you know, trying to find his way. But... You know, as the calendar turned into 2022 and it moved into February and March, Marco just kept getting better and better and better and more confident. And then he goes to the World Championships. And, you know, in, in competition where, where that, that closely replicates, you know, the NHL more than, you know, other leagues, right, the World Championships and the NHL, you know, Marco really acquitted himself. And the draft is so much about identifying talents and, and attributes and then projecting them out. And I think that's exactly what ended up happening with uh, with Marco. And, you know, he, he's a hard-nosed, competitive, smart centerman. Again, he, he could be a player next year that just takes right off offensively because he, he's got good skills offensively and he really understands, you know, the game. And, 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 and when you're a younger player trying to find your way against older competition, you might not have the physical skills, I shouldn't say that you might not have the strength in your physical skills to be able to take advantage, but you can have it here. And Marco has it there. And he certainly has it competitively. And they're going to give him time. You know, uh, I love Dylan James. I, I think Dylan James is a player that's going to surprise a lot of people with respect to his ability uh, to skate, to create opportunities for himself off the skating. You know, I think about, you know, last year's, you know, they drafted Mazur. Uh, was that in the third round, Carter Mazur in the third yes, round? Yes, he, yes. Yeah. He's at Denver, wins the national championship. You know, you need all kinds of different players in your lineup. Everybody would like to get a Lucas Raymond. Everybody would like to get a Mo Sider. But good teams are well-rounded from different points in the draft. And again, I talk about the Red Wings and just talk about where they're at. You better be able to skate. You better be able to think. And you better be able to compete. 
or you're not getting on the on the Detroit Red Wings draft list. They're not. Well, you know, maybe. Well, if if if, if he learns how to compete, well, maybe maybe we can help him with his hockey sense. You're not getting that. They'll let somebody else take that chance. You better exhibit that going into your draft. And I, I think when you start to look, and and and, and again, we, we didn't mention Donovan Sobrango. And, and the reason I just come back to him, I think his development in the American Hockey League, great skater, great competitor, knowing who he is and what he is, you know, that's the other thing about the players. Know who you are, know what you are, and the team knows that as well. So I think it's not about unrealistic expectations. It's about putting players into positions where they can develop their game along their own time path. You know, it's interesting, Craig. You brought a couple of things up and uh, about drafting. And I don't know how many years you have told me this, but it's a significant number of years that when your time is there, you're on the clock, and you like a player – and he's available, just take him. And Daniela can attest to this. Chris Draper essentially said the same thing. So I, I know Chris is a big, big fan. He's personally a big fan of, of this show, of Word on Word Word and of me. Biggest uh, fan. So, uh, so I, I'm sure he, I, I'm sure that we've, he's listened to this a lot. And said, so, you know, Craig Button might have something here, but I think that's essentially what the Red Wings have really done. I mean, because some people say, well, God, they could have gone, you know, you always hear, well, God, they, why did they take him in this round where they could have probably got him at a lower round? You don't know that. You don't know that. And plus, I think the number one criteria for the Red Wings, regardless of even when they were trading away in that phase where they're trading away a lot of their draft picks to uh, acquire uh, talent to win now, um, I think the number one criteria, if you want to play for the Detroit Red Wings, is high hockey, high hockey IQ. If you can think the game, if you can anticipate, everything else will come to you. I think that that's been their philosophy. And when I look at this, it seems, and we saw these kids at development camp, each and every one of them, I mean, for development camp, their three-on-three scrimmages, there weren't mistakes being made out there. You know, they weren't turning the puck over. I mean, it was competitive. I was surprised, even though they're playing against their own peer group, I was very surprised at the quality and the way these every one of these prospects was able to think the game. I would imagine the Red Wing Brass had to walk away and be pretty happy with what they saw at development camp and now we'll see how it translates obviously to the prospects tournament and training camp but to, craig talk about that kind of philosophy when you look at this list you know maybe people could question the red wings and i know some you know their grades uh, have gone from a plus to you know a c like what is detroit thinking but i think if you talk to detroit i think they're happy with what they did in this past draft I know teams well, are. I, I understand that. They're yeah. not going to say, boy, man, we blew it. But I think, <laughs> well, it's, I mean, know, the, I think it's good. The, the next time, the next time at, at the conclusion of a draft, uh, when I hear a team going, yeah, we're really not happy with the players we selected. You know, we could have done a lot better job. Like, you know, it'll be the first time. Every team leaves the draft really excited. How, how do you get comments like, we can't believe he was there at such and such a point in the draft? It's because they right. think highly of the players. Listen, I, I, I'm going to say this right now, and I get asked about it. Oh, Craig, you know, will you grade the draft? Yeah, I'll, I'll do it in four years' time. But guess what? You don't need me in four years' time because everybody will know. I think the – I think it, it – I will never grade a draft ever because it'll become self-evident in time, you know, how teams did, right? 
you're going into a draft. The fact that people, the fact that people can go and grade a draft the day after a draft, it's the most self-serving thing going. Because all it is is they take their list and then they grade it against if a team drafted a player high on their list, they get a high grade. And if they draft a player that wasn't high on their list, they get a low grade. Totally self-serving, and it just shows the lack of understanding and knowledge they have of the development process. I know it's a rant. It's a rant that really, really bothers me because people that are doing it have never, ever scouted, have never been part of development or part of a front office or a scouting staff. So, it, it, it you know, A, C, B, give me a break. You know what? Every team's happy on draft day, as they should be. It's, that's a good ending point. That, that was that it. Was that good. was epic. Yeah, there's nothing so, else needs to be said. Yeah. <laughs> well, we appreciate you taking the time to join us. It was great. A really great conversation. Red Wings fans are very much going to enjoy it. And of course, a big thank you to all of you for tuning in to another edition of the Word on Woodward. We'll see you next time. There you have it with Craig Button. Always entertaining. And Daniela, I am not surprised that you cut the uh, uh, the stuff out about the Big Ten and specifically Michigan football with Craig Button. Well, I was just going to say, you say it's the Big Ten, but you guys only talk about Michigan. So that gives me my own reason to cut it out. But this time, the, the podcast or and Word on Woodward would have been about three hours long if we left all of that in there. So uh, we definitely had to cut some of it down because Craig had so many great things to say about all of the new free agent additions that Steve Eiserman made this offseason. Right, yeah. So really, I mean, just really to wrap it up, I mean, with, with what Draper had told us and then what Button had told us, it really does look like that the that the Red Wings are starting to ascend up the uh, the standings here as far as, you know, they're not an elite team yet. We don't want to go overboard. But, but certainly the future does look bright, and I think that Draper and Button both, and Button's really objective, you know, when it really comes to it. Obviously, Draper, as we said earlier, is going to love the draft. But, hey, we're teasing you, Drapes. You know we love you. But uh, uh, but, but Button, uh, you know, seemed very uh, encouraged by what has transpired this offseason for the Red Wings. Yeah, he definitely did. And like you said, that is an objective opinion. And when you talk about the Red Wings and not going quite to that elite level yet, but the goal right now is for them to be more competitive. And based on the moves that Steve Eiserman made this offseason, they should be more competitive. They should be better defensively, and they should be putting a better product out on the ice, and that's what Red Wings fans really want as we move forward. Well, yeah, we're very, very excited about the upcoming season, and uh, you know that Daniela, uh, yours truly, along with Ken Cal and Carly Johnston, will be bringing you all the action from training camps. But, Daniela, hey, it's always a pleasure um, great job as always. You know, I, I, I truly, uh, uh, you know, respect you and admire your talent. Uh, you're a really good friend of mine and uh, I just enjoy working with you in, you know, great job with Draper and Button. Okay. Well, thank you, Art, but it better not be another 138 episodes before, or 83, whatever you said, before <laughs> you bring me back on the podcast. Well, you know, see, Daniela, if you would know what episode number you're on, maybe <laughs> you, you would come back. Uh, no, we're, we, you, know, you know what, really, and we've we've talked about this actually for a couple of years, and then, you know, something called COVID hit, and we kind of all went disarray there for a while. But with that said, you know, I've always wanted to bring you on and at least, if not every episode, co-host some of the episodes of the Red and White Authority because, as as I said, we, we do a lot of work together and uh, I enjoy every minute of it. But uh, thanks for joining us on this edition, not only to you, Daniela Bruce, but to the audience as well. Thank you, Daniela. It was a pleasure. 
It was great art. Thank you.